In February 2021, it got really cold in Kansas. It was about 15 degrees below zero for more than a week. Natural gas prices shot up in terms of BTU measurements from $2.54 on February 1st to $622 by February 17. Then, as if the market had been manipulated again, it dropped back to $2.46 by the end of the month. Well, the bills for all that are coming due. The Kansas Corporation Commission has decided the extraordinary cost paid by public utility companies for natural gas during that period will be largely covered by residential retail customers. We're talking about $622 million spread over two to ten years. Your monthly bill is going up. The KCC's action raised many questions. Where are the investigations into price gouging? Was there a missed opportunity to negotiate a better solution on behalf of consumers? What prevents this from happening again in February of 2023? With the Kansas Reflector today to delve into this complex but meaningful issue is James Segura, an energy and public utility attorney with a keen interest in the work of the KCC. Welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you for taking the time. Mr. Segura, I tried to explain a little bit about what was going on in that moment, uh, but with your expertise, maybe we can set the scene a little bit better. The stars aligned, so to speak, in that period to produce a multi-state energy crisis. What was going on? Uh, Basically, there was an extended cold spill that was really pretty unusual. We have a lot of cold weather in the Midwest, so that's nothing new to us. But the cold spell extended longer than is typically the case. We started to get indications that that was going to be the case around the first week in February. So we had some notice on that, but then it it hit and continued. Basically, we're going to call it from about February 11th to about February the 23rd. And and so I remember I was able to stay warm in my home, but I think there was some concern about uh, basically blackouts, not just rolling blackouts, but serious blackouts. Oh, there was a, a large concern on that. And the way I put it into context is that uh, we had a natural gas price, uh, what we call the index price. It's a publicly available price on February 1 of $2.54. On February 12, it had risen to 50, excuse me, $44.78 per unit. And then on February 13th, it rose to $329. And then finally, on February 17th, it rose to $622. So that period of that 10 days between uh, that I just mentioned to you, the price of natural gas per unit increased about 18,000%. And this is reflective of the public price markers. Uh, we had a lot of concern, those of us in the business, that those markers weren't accurately reflecting what the cost of gas should have been. The, the price markers are set by basically two groups. One is the Standard & Poor's uh, index price, and the other is the Intercontinental Exchange price. On the Standard & Poor's price, Uh, The $329 was set on seven trades of 50,000 units. That's compared to about 2.5 BCF units uh, uh, per day delivered. And on the high price day uh, of 622, there were two trades for 16,000 units. So we had had a very big concern. This is under 3% and under 1% of all the gas that's moving on the system. We thought it was statistically insignificant and inconclusive, and that why would anybody in the world set a price on 1% of the movements? 
Right. And so this this price fluctuation, this is extraordinary, right? It is extraordinary, never to have been seen before. And bizarre in that the amount of natural gas uh, surging through the pipelines that crisscross the state of Kansas, the, the, the volume was there just like there was before this crisis? The volume stayed the same throughout the crisis, which also cast more doubt on the legitimacy of the pricing mm-hmm. because there was 2.5 BCF delivered by the main pipeline, Southern Star Pipeline, every day through here. There was nobody. You could not possibly have gone out and drilled for more gas and brought that on in that period of time, which would justify perhaps some increased price. And if you look at the pipelines around Southern Star, Panel Eastern is the most is the closest and delivers some into Kansas City into Wichita. And that pipeline had prices typically twenty to forty percent lower than Southern Star. So there were indications throughout this period that the pricing was not accurate. I don't want to say it was unlawful, but if you're setting prices based on 1% of the trades, Mm -hmm. you're unlikely to get a legitimate price. And we believe strongly that was the case. And for that matter, I don't know that anybody that I know of believes that this pricing reflected the actual, uh, any kind of supply (laughs) demand at at the time. Okay. Then that's an important point. People were able to stay warm in this moment. but the pending cost of staying warm is going to be massive. When, when you, you touched upon this, but going back to in that moment, yes. do you have any idea who was making the money? Was it the, the natural gas suppliers in there, in the middle? Well, we do have some indication of that. Uh, in the gas service case at the uh, Kansas Corporation Commission, gas service uh, contended and the commission agreed that they had $373 million of additional costs for this basically seven-day period, and about 75 to 80% of that was paid to four suppliers. The largest supplier was Tenasca, which was paid $133 million. The second was the trading company Macquarie, which was paid $70 million. The third was Southworth Energy, which was $67 million. And the fourth was energy transfer, which is $40 million. So essentially, you didn't have a lot of different people profiting. You had basically four or five that were profiting to an extraordinary event mm-hmm. uh, extent during this seven-day period. And the reason that that was the case was that they, they controlled the gas supply. Yeah, I guess the investigation of what was going on here by some authority, the circle of of people you'd want to talk to is relatively small. Right. So given that utility companies at Service Kansas have what I would just refer to as a built-in profit guarantee, uh, they too would have to be paid to to cover these extraordinary expenses. You actually represented uh, hundreds of clients in terms of uh, groups that tried to negotiate some sort of settlement for these extraordinary costs that was less than the bill that arrived in the mail. You want to explain your role in this? Oh, absolutely. Uh, We represented over 500 clients, uh, probably 200 school districts, members of the region's institutions at the state of Kansas, uh, uh, the faith community, Catholic archdiocese, temples of the Jewish faith, uh, Protestant entities, car dealerships, laundromats, any any that you could almost think of. And that of those 500 uh, 
clients or more that we represented, not one of them paid the invoice price. We typically were able to negotiate 25% to 50% discounts for those uh, those clients. And that that was the case because the suppliers and the consumers came together. You know, the, the suppliers also recognized that they had to do their part here because these were largely public institutions. I mean, w- we represented a homeless shelter mm-hmm. which in Kansas City, Missouri, which typically has a natural gas bill of $1,500 per month. And they received a gas bill for about $50,000. So we called the supplier and said, do you not understand this is a homeless shelter? <laughs> They're not passing on the cost of gas and goods. And right. Good we, point. we were able to, without exception, negotiate beneficial resolutions for all of these clients. And what's importantly is the suppliers and the con- consumers came together and negotiated new and better service offerings for winners to come. And in the case of schools, uh, we were able to negotiate a five-year fixed-price contract at a very advantageous rate for them. And what's more important is they don't have to do any nomination or any of that kind of uh, technical issue. They can stick to education, and the suppliers handle all of that. So we feel that's a very good thing that came out of the uh, negotiations, as well as uh, very material discounts in the invoice. An obvious question would be, okay, so your, your business, we'll just call them business interests there, did some negotiation. Was there anybody that could have stepped in to negotiate on the behalf of me as a general consumer? Well, uh, I can't speak for uh, anyone else, certainly. But the the largest buyers in the market, of course, are the public utility companies. Right. Kansas Gas Service in Kansas, Spire, Missouri in in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Black Hills and Atmos. So they could have perhaps used their influence to negotiate uh, some sort of different resolution in terms of the $622 million bill we're all going to have to pay. They might have... They might have done that, or is that just not their role? No, they. it seems to me that that was certainly a possibility for them. Mm-hmm. I think that rather than do that, they appear to have made the decision that they would that they want the legal course to run its play. Because, for instance, if the attorney general or a private party like me mm-hmm. were able to recover damages uh, on behalf of residential users, then those damages would act as an offset to the amounts that are charged to ratepayers right now. Right. So I think they foregoed, it would appear that they foregoed negotiation uh, and instead uh, put their uh, put their future in the hands of the governmental or private entities that would pursue lawsuits. Well, they turned to the Kansas Corporation Commission right. and submitted requests uh, for compensation. They wanted, they wanted to bill customers for the extra amounts that they paid for natural gas. And the three commissioners took the position that wholesale natural gas prices weren't regulated by the commission, so it couldn't delve into whether price gouging occurred. Um, I guess they just assumed it was a market-driven issue. Uh, regardless, the KCC has now approved a long list of claims by utility companies, and consumers across the state are going to pay big. Well, the KCC took the position that uh, wholesale natural gas prices are regulated, uh, are no longer regulated, excuse me, and that market manipulation is the exclusive jurisdiction of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. I did not agree with that, but the KCC did not rule in my favor on that issue. So the KCC investigation was 
basically to look at whether or not the companies followed their gas supply plan, which was presented and at least reviewed in detail by the KCC staff prior to the winter. They needed, they looked at that issue. They then further looked at whether or not the invoices uh, were as presented and paid. So they looked at that issue as well, but they declined to look at the issue of either market manipulation or to allow me to look into the index pricing issue, which we felt was at the heart of the uh, mistaken or unlawful high prices in, in the state of Kansas. So at that point, uh, we really were unable to go forward with the investigation at the KCC as we would have liked. And we turned our attention instead to uh, private litigation, which we instituted in Crawford County, Kansas. And in that case, uh, the wonderful, courageous people of Mulberry, Kansas, refused to pay the extraordinary $300 gas prices to BP Energy. And we brought an action, therefore, under the Kansas anti-profiteering statute. And so far, we have been successful in Crawford County on that issue, that the judge in Crawford County has ruled that individual ratepayers and citizens of Mulberry could bring an action for uh, gas prices that exceeded the anti-profiteering statute. The anti-profiteering statute is really important in Kansas. It's based on uh, actions subsequent to a declaration of emergency by the governor. The governor declared a natural gas emergency on February the 14th. And under the anti-profiteering statute, no supplier is permitted to charge in excess of 25% more than the trading day price prior to the declaration of emergency. So that would reduce the prices that would be permitted under Kansas law uh, probably by at least 75% uh, during this period of time, which would be a great, great benefit to the residential ratepayers throughout the state. So we're continuing in that regard to prosecute that case. And uh, we encourage others to look at whether or not they could join us throughout the state in that kind of an action. Uh, if you stop and think about it, the Kansas state law uh, was designed precisely for what occurred here. It saved Kansans hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars. And that is uh, because there is no supply and demand balance in an emergency where people are threatened with freezing to death. Mm -hmm. The governor recognized that. The KCC recognized that. The, yeah, the KCC actually said it. there's there's a hint here of market manipulation, yes, they but did. it's beyond our purview. They right. kind of pointed to the federal government taking a look at it or the attorney general. Correct. And on that point, the attorney general, Derek Schmidt, he announced an inquiry into this issue, but hasn't reported anything meaningful in about 20 months. He's running for governor. I wonder why he hasn't uh, made a, you know, standing on the hilltop waving the flag about uh, price gouging. Well, I'm not certainly privy to that investigation. I, uh, I am somewhat acquainted with the private counsel that they hired. They're very excellent mm. counsel. So my, my thought would be that they're proceeding apace with that investigation. I think it is important to note that the remedies available to the attorney general are somewhat different 
than to private parties like us. The statute in Kansas provides for recovery of fines and penalties for violation of the Anti-Profiteering Act and also the False Claims Act in Kansas. So I would suspect that that is the focus, mm-hmm. as it should be under the law. <clears throat> but, but those also would yield uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of penalties, potentially. Oh, perhaps it's useful just to have somebody authoritative to declare what happened. And that might lead political people, the Kansas legislature, to try to figure out some other better solution. I wonder if we could back up just a minute here. And we've been talking about natural gas utilities and and supply. But electric utilities had a role in this uh, cold weather uh, event. I wondered if you would just touch on that. Absolutely. Uh, In the case of Evergy, Kansas Central, which would be Topeka, Lawrence, Wichita, Uh, They are seeking to recover purchase power costs and natural gas costs, I believe, of about $120 million. And that is basically uh, because during that period of time, uh, they had less available to them than normally their traditional traditional generation facilities. Uh, Wind performed as about as projected, but at a low rate. Uh, coal in the in cold weather sometimes freezes up the coal pile, so mm-hmm. so they had some problems there, and and the fallback really is natural gas. Natural gas electrified generation is a very quick ramp up, and and you can manage the electric power needs pretty much throughout the region by natural gas, and natural gas uh, was increasingly expensive at that time. And people like Evergy and some of the other cooperatives in the West either could not get natural gas or it was very expensive if they could, which sent the power costs up. And more importantly, in the Southwest Power Pool in Topeka and Kansas City, I believe we had about six hours of rolling blackouts where we had no electricity, which had never happened before. And one of the things that should come out of this whole whole experience is that we should have all types of fail-safe to uh, make sure that we don't have electric blackouts again. And uh, the problem that we're all dealing with, in all honesty, is that the Southwest Power Pool predicted that we had 53,000 megawatts of electric power available to us in the winter, including February 2021. And because of the gas supply failures, uh, they declared a stage three emergency level at 37,000 megawatts hmm. with rolling blackouts. So the plan supply did not come through. And there there should be extraordinary detailed review of that, plus fail safe plans for that not to happen in the future. And Southwest Power Pool is a 14 state. It's, yes. I think so- it's growing. but uh- Southwest Power Pool, you're right, currently has 14 states. They recently expanded to Saskatchewan, Canada. There's so much in common with the Canadians. Right. And uh, they're also pro- likely to expand next year to the west. So what started out as the Mokan Power Pool, which was two states looking after each other, <laughs> uh, will become maybe 20 or 25 states. Stretching 1,500 miles. Stretching more than 1,500 miles. That is correct. There's one thing I, I ought to mention, too, uh, on this point. Uh, a power pool is just what it says. People share resources. 
and in the February period of 2021, actually Kansas was producing more power, as I understand, that was used by the citizens of the state of Kansas. But, but because we were in a power pool, we had to share that with others and share the rolling blackout as well. Yeah, we had to be generous and then also pay for it. So what you're, the, the bottom line, the electric utility part here is this $622 million is about natural gas uh, extraordinary costs and the electric utility costs are still that bill is still coming in for us. Is that uh, right? That will. Th- I I need to to say the the hundred and twenty million is included in the six twenty two. Oh okay okay. But, but I'm sorry. The but the uh, that will be repaid I believe starting in April of twenty three over a two year period. Okay, very good. So you are correct. The residentials in Topeka and Lawrence and Wichita will have a double dip of added costs. Mm-hmm. They'll be paying both added gas costs and added electric costs. It raises the question of like what are what are gas prices right now? Like okay. yeah, that's a really good question. The uh, part part of the problem we have in the Midwest is in my opinion, uh Southern Star gas pipeline is a supply poor pipeline. And uh it also has competitive uh competitors as to where gas supply goes. Uh, This lack of winter supply uh, has caused the prices generally to increase. And I have done an examination which indicates that this winter's prices will be about 25% higher Mm. than last winter's prices. And a similar examination done by the U.S. Energy Information Administration predicts about 27% increase uh, of this year compared to last year. What I would say to you is that does not include the added $5 a month. So that'll, if you're looking at what your gas price will be this year on a per unit basis or per monthly basis compared to last year, you can calculate probably about a 30% increase. You say the five dollars that's related to the cold weather snap. That is right. Okay, that's correct. All right, Mr. Zakura, given your expertise in all of this, just can you highlight a few reforms that you might suggest to our uh, friends across the street in the legislature or anybody else? Okay. Well, I think um, the reforms are are basically two or three in nature. Uh, I think that. Uh, physical storage has become increasingly more valuable and that it would be good for Kansas to have more gas in storage for these kinds of events in the winter. There's nothing like a physical hedge against an extraordinary circumstance. So I would encourage more gas to be bought ahead at reasonable non-emergency prices to be placed into storage. Uh, I would also uh, argue that we should have Uh, extreme cooperation between electric utilities and gas utilities. They should not be in the market competing with each other for natural gas at a time of emergency that they need that the KCC needs to uh, set everyone down and make sure they're working together because when they don't work together, it has a very high probability of increasing the prices for everyone. So that, that would be the second the third that I would say is uh, we, we, this is just a general philosophical basis. The commercial, residential, faith communities, hospitals that are buying their own natural gas in the market, uh, that has worked very well. 
We need to continue and encourage that. Uh, our studies show that that saves about a third compared to what the regulated utility price is. And that market not only has worked well, but it's working better now that we've come together and and had really better market uh, market responses to customers' needs. And in the cases of schools and universities and public bodies of all types, uh, reducing the cost of natural gas uh, helps keep the tax burden down and the and the expenses down for the critically needed public services. We're going to have to leave it there. Mr. Zakura, James Zakura, an energy and public utility attorney, thank you for your time. Thanks for helping us wade through this. My pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.